I feel like the Lord wants to help us. Boy, it sounds different up here, Dan, than it does down there. <laughs> I feel like I'm behind myself. Everybody stand up. Let's pray. Lord, we believe what Jim said is, the, is you. We believe there's a sound of rain coming. Lord, before he, when he said, listen, I heard water. Amen. Lord, we ask you to break the dams in our hearts. In our hearts, God, that are keeping the water from flowing. Break those dams, God, in our hearts. Break the dams in this church, God, that's keeping the water from flowing. We don't want to dam up the water. God, if we're doing that, have mercy on us. God, have mercy on us. Lord, we don't want to be no dog, a dead end, dead, dead sea, dead place, God. Help us to open our hearts up for the work of the Spirit, God, to make us a channel. God, that would really flow, the words could flow through us, God. Oh, Lord, do it. Jesus, we are tired, Lord, of religion. We are tired of religion. We are sick. Of, Lord, we are tired of this church stuff, God. Oh, Lord, come. Come, God. Come and open up the wells of salvation, God. The ancient wells, God, that have been plugged in this city, God. Open them up, God. Open them, Lord. Open them, Lord. Oh. God, we're saying we're here for the harvest. That's why you brought us here, God. Because you, your heart is in those people. Your heart is for the people. God, you love them, Lord. You died for them, as we heard this morning. You died, Jesus. And we are here, God, to participate. You said to lift up our eyes. Don't be making excuses. Jesus, Jesus, thank you, Jesus. Let the waters of salvation flow, Jesus. Let, yeah, abundance of rain. Let the water of the Spirit. Um, yes, here you go. The fountain, the Bible says in Jeremiah that we have forsaken the fountain for hewn cisterns, which, you know, a cistern is just a bowl, you know, that you put water in. <clears throat> and it says those things can't even hold water. They just leak out. You know, we put our water from God in, a, in something thinking we can keep it. Just put our water from God in our little glass and think we can keep it all the time. And, and the Lord was rebuking that kind of thinking. We don't, Lord, we ask you to forgive us for forsaking you, the fountain. We're, we ask you to forgive us and trying to make our little cisterns. We've hewned out little things, our little niches, our little thing, God. We ask you to forgive us. God, forgive us, Lord, and we repent. We throw down our old glasses, Lord, and we just reach out, Lord, for the fountain of life this morning. And we ask that that fountain would flow into us now and flow over us and wash us and wash away the, the stuff, Lord, that's, that's not from you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen. You can be seated. The Lord's good, isn't He? I feel like the Lord said I could touch a few people in here this morning. And I said, well, I'm, I told the Lord I'm one of those few people. So are you one of those few people that God could touch? You know, the Lord went to his hometown, and it says he didn't do a lot of miracles there because of those people's unbelief, hardness of heart. So I'm saying this morning, Lord, you can touch me. I need a touch from the Lord. And I want to be one of those few people. I don't want to be a hard-headed, you know, difficult fellow that I can be. You, you hear what I'm saying to you? Just open your heart up to Jesus and let Jesus touch you. Don't be, get off your old belief system that is keeping you from 
from the Lord from touching you. Don't, you know, if it's not working, it's just not working. You know, the definition of insanity is to keep doing what you've always done and expect to get different results. We've got to expect something different. Amen. Are y'all excited? I feel just feel like I just really feel good. I really do. And usually, well, not usually, but lots of times I don't. It's a sad testimony. I just feel like God wants to do something. I don't feel like He wants us just to be religious. And I think we are religious, and I know I am, and I'm renouncing religion right now in Jesus' name. Because it didn't work. It didn't get me where I need to go. And where I need to go is I need to be in love with Christ. And I need to love Him more than anything else there is. And I need to live that. And I don't think religion is going to help me do that. It's going to, it's going to kill that love for Jesus. That's what it's going to do for me. It's going to kill it. Amen? Amen. Let me just see if I can do this without being making too much of a mess here. But if I did, y'all wouldn't care, would you? Open your Bibles to Matthew 6. I'm going to read verse 22 and 23. And then if you was a smart person and want to stay ahead of the game, you could open your Bibles to Mark 8 also. I think the Lord wants to do something this morning. I want to trust the Lord to accomplish what He wants to accomplish. Amen. Matthew 6, verse 22 and 23. And then we're going to read Mark 8, verse 22 and some other ones. But if you want to get both... How many here who's ever taken the course experiencing God raise your hand? A lot of people have. So you understand what it is. It means, you know, Henry Black will be one of the great Baptist men in the world. Got you, Donna. <laughs> really, this is what Henry says. This is how you know God's will. You don't ask the Lord, what's your will for my life, Lord? You ask the Lord, what are you doing, Lord? Show me what you're doing so I can join you in what you're doing. Amen? That sounds right to me. Doesn't that sound right? Hey, you know, I'm not, you know, that's sort of God-centered. Find out what God's doing. Well, this is what Jesus said. He says, the lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Um, In other words, Jesus is talking about being able to see things spiritually, Right? And like Jim was saying, you know, there's a way to hear naturally, there's a way to hear spiritually. And the way you see spiritually is not the way you see naturally. You know, there was people in the Bible who could see things spiritually. Uh, Simeon was a guy, remember, he's the man who saw Jesus when he was a baby and recognized that he was the Messiah and said, you know, Lord, you're going to let me die now because I've seen the salvation of Israel. He was a man who could see spiritually. He saw a baby, but he just didn't see a baby. He saw Christ. Um, there was other people that could see spiritually, um, that could see, you know, what God was doing. And there were people who didn't. The Pharisees were people who couldn't see what Jesus was doing. In fact, this is what Jesus said about the Pharisees. He says, you got eyes, but you can't see. Having eyes to see, but you can't see. And you see, you see, don't you see? <laughs> 
You see, this is the truth. In the Bible, if you think about in the Gospels, study the Gospels some. I encourage you to study the Gospels. Blind people were significant in the Bible. Both the spiritually blind and the natural. But I will tell you something. There's some of you this morning are spiritually blind. Now, you're, I'm not talking about from a salvation perspective, but I'm, you're not able to see what God's doing. Um, the last day church, the Laodicean church in, in uh, Luke, not Luke, help me, Lord. Revelation 3.17, he says, you are poor, wretched, and blind. He's talking to a church. <laughs> They're blind. He said, you need to get some eyes out and put on them old blind eyes. Amen? That's what we're talking about this morning is getting eyes out. We're asking God to open our blind eyes that we could see into the spirit room. We could see what the Lord is doing. This is not hocus pocus. This is not just talking about having visions. This is not just talking about having dreams. I'm talking about walking in your life and being able to recognize when you see God on something, you see God doing something. You hear what I'm saying to you? It's natural in a supernatural sense. And that's, that's what I want to talk to you about. Jesus said He came to recover the, the sight to the blind, Luke 4.18. Well, here's something. In the Bible, there's stories of Jesus healing blind people physically. You know, there was a man who was born blind from birth. Remember that story in John 9? And Jesus did the great thing everybody likes to pull up when they're talking about Jesus doing odd stuff. You know, He spit on the clay and put it on His eyes told him to go wash in the pool of Siloam, and he came back seeing. Remember that story? Well, there was another story. There was a guy named Bartimaeus, you know, who was all in an uproar when he heard about Jesus. Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. Uh, and everybody was fussing at him, telling him to be quiet. But he got healed of blindness. The Lord opened his eyes. He asked the Lord, Lord, I need to see. Then there was this other character. Now, this is the character that has really bothered me for a long time. It's the one in Mark 8. And that's the one I want to talk to you about this morning. Because I believe there is learnings for us. I believe there's a, this revelation in this from what Jesus did. On, you know, a, there was a natural healing. There was a healing of a person's natural eyesight. But there's also something spiritual, I believe, in this that God wants to talk to us about. Are you with me? Because that's just the way the Bible works. You can apply it on lots of different levels. You hear me? Some people probably don't believe that, but I can't really get that not believing that. Anyway, Mark 8. Now, this is the thing that really bothered me about Mark, this, this story. It's the only progressive cure that Jesus ever had. In other words, he prayed for this guy, and he didn't get fully healed the first time he prayed for him. You hear, you hear that? He didn't. You know, now that should bring you comfort on some level. All the people we pray for didn't even get half well. A couple of them died on you. Know? Yeah, I used to use that. Well, Jesus, you know, he had to pray for this guy. But I'm going to tell you, it had nothing to do with Jesus' lack of power. Because this is Jesus, man. He can do anything he wants to. You know, it says, you know, the whole world's upheld by his word. You see what I'm saying? So all that kind of thinking is just way off, off the line has nothing to do with the lack of power of Jesus. Okay? It had something to do with Jesus was trying to communicate something through this incident in the Bible to us today so we could grab hold of something that we really need to grab hold to. Are you with me? And that's what I want to talk to you about, what we need to grab hold to. Um, 
there is a progressive nature of God healing us in our life. Okay, that's one thing. There is that progressive nature where God heals a person, where God sets a person free. You know, we are being saved, the Bible says. You know, we are being sanctified. There is that progressive act when you see a person... You know, last year they was a major league jerk. This year they're a minor league jerk. You know, that God's, you know what I'm saying? God's doing something in their life. There is that. And there is that thing of where, this is wonderful, where it's just flat okay. God, you touched me last week, but I need to be touched again from you, you know? It's nothing wrong with that. Don't let people put you down for that. Well, I've been up to the altar call 17 times asking God to fix this one thing. And He hasn't done it yet. I was okay for a little bit, but the next day I fell down again. There's nothing wrong. I believe in that. That's one of the things I get out of this. If you need another touch from the Lord, go get another touch. Just keep getting the touches until finally you get the final answer. Amen? Stop being religious about this stuff. Well, you know, God didn't do it, and I'm not going to, you know, unless the Lord's told you, I've healed you, don't say anything else about it, just wait on it. Now, if God tells you that, it's okay, but He, he doesn't do that all the time. Sometimes we just have to keep coming back and getting Him to touch us again. Amen? We just need another touch. Lord, don't you think you need a touch from another touch from the Lord this morning? Don't you think this church does? We need another touch, God. What you did last year ain't good enough no more. I mean, it was good then, but it's gone now. We're living in today. That's the truth. Touch us. Amen. So it's the only recorded example of a progressive cure by Jesus. Amen. Let's read verse 22. Then he came to Bethsaida, and they brought a blind man to him, this is Mark 8, 22, and begged him to touch him. All right, this is important. Number one, the blind man did not ask Jesus to heal him. The blind man didn't cry out to Jesus for healing, like Bartimaeus cried out, you know, I want to receive my sight. Son of David, have mercy on me. The, The blind man's friends brought him to Jesus. And and they didn't ask Jesus to heal him. Don't you think that's interesting? They just said, let's bring this man to Jesus and just get Jesus to touch this guy. That's all they were asking for. They were just asking for a touch from the Lord. Now, one thing that says to me is sometimes we don't know what to ask Jesus for. Sometimes we know we're messed up. Sometimes we know we need God to do something in our life, but we don't really know what we need from Him. This might, these people may have not known. They may not have believed this guy needed. They didn't know, maybe. You know, sometimes we just need God to do something. We don't know how to pray. God, I'm messed up. I don't know why I'm messed up. I'm, I'm depressed. You know, my life is in shambles. Just do something in my life, God. Anything. Just touch me. You know what I'm saying to you? And that's what they did. God, this man needs you. And they brought him to him. The man didn't say a word. And sometimes, this is the truth, sometimes we need to pray for our, our friends that need to be touched from the Lord. Sometimes we need to be praying for our children. Go, God, touch them. Please touch them. Please touch my child. Please touch my, my, my parent, my elderly parent. God, please touch them. I don't know what they need. I don't know what you have for them. Just touch them, Lord. Just touch them. See, sometimes it's our prayers that brings a person to God for Him to touch them. Sometimes that's all it is. It's just our prayers. And we don't always know how to ask. But God knows. God knows. He knows what you need. He knew this, what this man needed. You, you understand what I'm talking to you about? So we need to, to do that. We need to pray for our family members. Uh, and we need to ask the Lord to touch them. 
And, and that's the thing that brings them to Jesus. Lord Jesus, please touch them. Sometimes we just need to bring ourselves. God, I'm messed up. I don't know. I think this is why I'm messed up. I think it's because of the way these people treat me. But it may not be right, God. I may really be the one that's messed up. You know? So we need to ask the Lord. Beg the Lord. Lord, Lord, touch him. Everybody say, Lord, touch him. And when you say that, think about somebody that needs a touch from God. Let's just think about somebody that really needs God to touch him. Maybe it's just a child. Maybe it's your brother or your sister or your parent. Somebody sitting beside you. And let's just say this. Lord, touch him. Touch him, Jesus. Please touch him. Please touch him. We need a touch from Jesus. Amen? We need a touch. So he took the blind man by the hand. That's what he did. He took the blind man. This is interesting. Jesus did not say a word to that man. Now, here's what happens. This is the way the Lord works sometimes in our lives. Sometimes Jesus just does stuff, and he don't tell us what's going on. He doesn't explain to us what's going on. He just, he just grabs you by the hand, and the problem is, is you're blind. You don't know if that's really Jesus that's got you by the hand. You hear what I'm saying to you? Sometimes God just takes you by the hand. He ain't saying nothing. He starts leading you off somewhere, and you're wondering, Lord, where am I going? What is going on in my life? Is this really you that's got my, got my hand? Is this really you that's leading me in this direction? He's not saying a word. Has anybody had that experience when you just feel like, God, you're so quiet at the most awkward times? The times I really need you to be talking to me. Hey, this guy, he's here with his friends. Next thing you know, this character Jesus, who they wanted to touch him, he's hauling him off somewhere, away from everybody he knows, away from their friends. And you're wondering, is it, what in the world is going on here? What in the world is going on in my life? Sometimes we get in circumstances and situations in our life. And our friends, our counselors, the people who have spiritual input in our life say, I believe the Lord's doing this in your life. And you want to say, how can this be God? Is that really God who's led me into this mess? Who's in, I'm in this situation. Is God with me? Is He really with me? Is it Jesus who's really got my hand? Is He the one that's holding on to my hand? Or is it somebody else? Is it the devil? Or is it some person who don't like me and wants to you know, trick me? That's happened to me a lot of times. Not tell you a thing. Not tell you a thing. That's the way Jesus is. He sometimes doesn't tell you stuff that you feel like you really need to know. It's difficult. Then he says, he goes on and says, he he took the blind man by the hand and led him out out of the town. Now remember, we're talking about spiritual blindness here. This is interesting. Jesus took him out of town. Now think about blind people for me. You ever been around a blind person? Blind people... Or get familiar with things they're used to, right? In other words, we, I remember one time Becky and I went to this friend of hers who's blind in her house, and this woman could move around in that house. She could go to the counters, go to the sink, do everything, prepare a meal. Blind, couldn't see a thing. Could not and walk all over that house. See, they memorize where everything's at. They get up in the morning and think, well, I'm going to take three steps to the right, four steps to the left, and I'm at the bathroom. You know? I know the third counter to the left is where the glasses are. I know more two more steps, I'm at the sink. I know approximately a foot from here, I can turn the water on. So they know exactly where they're at. They know everything. But you take that same blind person that can move around so effective in their house, you take them to your house and say, go in there and prepare me a meal, they bounce off the walls. And you see, that's what Jesus does. Many times with us, He takes us out of what's familiar. And takes you into an unfamiliar place. He took him away from his home. Took him away from his friends. He was out there. He didn't know where he was at. 
In other words, everything that had worked for him before was not going to work. His little steps that he had, his little routine, his little rituals that he had were not going to work out there with Jesus. You see what I'm saying? And I, Has anybody ever been brought out there? I mean, has anybody ever been put in these situations in life where God put you in something and you thought, good gosh, what this doesn't work? I mean, or am I the only person in this room that experiences stuff like this? Well, you feel like you're, you're blind as a bat. You need God to help you. He's hauled you all somewhere. He ain't said nothing. He ain't explained nothing. And you don't know what in the world you're doing. You're trying to figure out how to get out of the situation. You're running into walls. I mean, God will do that. That's what one of the reasons this is in the Bible. To tell us. To speak these things to us. That's how He works. Works like that a lot. You've got to get you away from your support systems. Get you away from everything you're familiar with, everything you know, all your buddies. Get you out there by yourself. Just you and him dealing with you. Never did it this way before, Lord. That's what he does. That's what he does. The Bible says in Joshua 3, 4, the Lord was telling them before they was going to cross over. Anybody want to cross over? You have not passed this way before. You have not passed this way before. You are going to cross over and you're going to be like a bunch of blind mice out there. He's got to take you to a place where you've never been before so he can really deal with you. He can't deal with you in your familiar little ritualistic world where you've got everything memorized and you've got everything worked out. That's not the way God works in your life. Because, see, you don't need him out there. You don't need him where you know where everything's at and you know how everything works. You don't need Jesus. He'll put you in a situation where you don't know how everything works and you don't know where everything is. And your prayers that used to work so well, suddenly they don't work so well. Your little quiet time routine that used to be so great, God's left you, don't you feel like? The way you used to worship, the songs you used to sing, you know, the music that used to be so wonderful, the way you used to be so good on your job, now you're not so hot on it no more. That you got a new job, you can't figure out how to do it, and everybody's mad at you. You wonder if you're going to keep the job. I was talking to a guy recently, he's having a fit on his job. And I was telling him about my experiences with jobs and told him how terrible my job was I had, and it was awful. First, you know, just first day at work getting just screamed at by these people because I wasn't doing what they wanted me to do. And, then I went to work for this guy from India who was used to this caste system. You don't ever want to get to work for a guy like that, man. They will wear your hide out on a regular basis, every day. Everything you do is wrong, period. There's no, you know, you just take your work to them, and it ain't right. Finally, you get where, well, I just don't like the space in between these lines. You know, you should have capitalized that. I mean, you get so doggy good at what you're doing that that's what they look for. You know what I'm saying? Those kind of people are good for you. They don't feel good for you, but they're good for you. And I said, after that, man, I was coasting from there on out. That guy taught me more in two years than I could learn in 25 years as an engineer. This poor guy was saying, my problem is I started out my job and I was coasting the first two years. Now I'm not coasting no more. I thought, ooh, that would be bad. But God has got you there. God is trying to stretch you. God is trying to do something in your life. You hear what I'm saying to you? He's there with you. He just is not talking about it. You've never passed that way before. And then he goes on in verse 23, and when he had spit on his eyes and put his hands on him, everybody say spit on his eyes. 
you know what? He didn't spit on clay and apply. He walked up. It says he spit on him. That's gross, isn't it? I mean, that is real gross. That's real gross unless you are blind. It's gross because we have the luxury of seeing. But if you don't have that luxury, somebody spitting in your eyes is not a big deal because you'd do anything to see. It just depends on how bad you want it. He spit on his eyes. You know, we need to get desperate with the Lord, I think. Now, I don't know if desperation moves God, but not being desperate doesn't move him. So, you know, <laughs> how bad do you want it? Then he asked him if he saw anything. Verse 23 and 24. He asked him if he saw anything. And he looked up and said, I see men like trees walking. I see men like trees walking. Now, remember Jesus asked him. And you know the old saying, if God is asking you a question... It's not that he's looking for an answer. He's looking to reveal something to you. Remember that old saying? I'm sure y'all have heard that. Adam, where are you? God knew where Adam was. He just wanted Adam to find out where he was. Now, this is where it gets... This is, where, this is really what I wanted to talk to. All the other stuff was just... It was, I think it's good, but this is really what I want to talk about. I see men like trees walking. I think, you know, this is what God's trying to say in this. How do you see people? How do you see people? I see men walking like trees. How do you see people? See, I believe how we see people affects our ability to see spiritually. You hear what I'm saying to you? How we see people affects how we see spiritually. In other words, if we don't see people right, we're not going to be able to see spiritually. And I can guarantee you this. Turn over to Matthew. Matthew 7. Let's read 1 through 5. This is what God's trying to say to us this morning. You want to be healed of your spiritual blindness? You don't feel like you can see clearly spiritually? I'm going to, I'm going to show you how to do it. Because, see, this man was seeing people like trees. It's just an example. In other words, he was not seeing people right. He was seeing them for something they were not. Matthew 7, verse 1 through 5. Judge not that you not be judged, or you be not judged. For with with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye? And look, a plank is in your own eye. Hypocrite! Jesus explained that, you know, put the explanation point. A hypocrite! You know what a hypocrite is? It's an actor. Jesus, actor on the stage of life. I think the way the Weiss translation translate hypocrite. Actors on the stage of life, hypocrite, first remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eyes. So I believe our ability or inability to recognize God is caused by how we see, how we see others. It's caused by our criticism. It's caused by our wrongful judgments of others, our wrong estimations of others, our wrong judging of their motives of why they're doing what they're doing. I believe that blinds us spiritually. That's what it says right there. You've got a plank in your eye, and you're sitting around trying to see, think you can see them and their problem. You hear what I'm saying to you? Yes. You can't judge people. You don't have the right to judge people. You don't have the right to criticize people. You don't have that right. As a Christian... As a servant of the Lord, if somebody's following you, you are way out of line when you criticize somebody 
Turn over to Isaiah 58. I want to just read two verses in Isaiah 58. See, this is one of the, this is a terrible cause of blindness in the church. Are y'all with me? You hear what I'm saying to you? Isaiah 58. I'm just going to read verse 9 and 10. You need to read the whole verse, a whole chapter. You need to read the whole chapter, you who criticize, you who judge. I want you to read, go home and read all of us and read this and see what the Bible says to people who do that. But in verse 9, it says, Then you shall call, and the Lord will answer. Talking about answering to prayer. You shall cry, and he will say, Here I am. And this, but then he says this big word, if. Everybody say if. If you take away the yoke from your midst. Take away the yoke. What is the yoke? He tells you what the yoke is. The pointing of the finger. The pointing of the finger. Now, this is, this is getting real here. We want to get healed spiritually? Let's get healed spiritually. Let's get our eyes open. Let's get them open this morning. I said I believe God wants to do something. I believe He wants to do something. I believe He wants to deal with pointing of the finger. I believe He wants to deal with our wrong judgments of each other. I believe He wants to deal with criticism. Because it's not right. It is not right. The pointing of the finger and speaking wickedness. If you extend your soul to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted soul. You know what an afflicted soul is? An afflicted soul is a person who is whacked and going around doing stuff they shouldn't be doing and you're sitting there pointing your finger at them. That's an afflicted soul. People do stuff because they're messed up. They're messed up. And they don't need to be judged and criticized over it. And I'm tired of it. I'm tired of me doing it. I'm tired of when I see somebody doing it wrong, the first thing that rises up in my heart is a judgment of them. Because I believe it destroys my ability to see what God's doing. You satisfy the fleet, so then your, then your light shall dawn in the darkness. That's what it says. Argue. You can't argue with these. these I mean, these words are... Your light shall dawn in the darkness, and your darkness shall be as the noon day. That's what it says. So I'm telling you, Everyone in this room, if you're really not seeing into the spirit realm, the reason is you're not seeing people right. You're not seeing them the way God sees them. And you are criticizing them. You are pointing your finger. You're judging. Everybody knows our good buddy, Robin McMillan. <laughs> He's crazy anyway. But he got this great story. This is a great story. He worked for this company that sold something. I don't know what, but they had cars and stuff, and there's a guy in the company that really just didn't like Robin, you know, which ain't hard to do. It can be sort of a distasteful character at times. But the guy was out washing the company vehicles and threw the hose pipe down, and Robin went over and was going to take that hose pipe and spray that guy down. Okay? That's what he was going to do. He 